Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. So a very good morning to you and you're welcome to today's Signpost webinar. I hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you're joining us from today. My name is Mark Gibson and I'm head of the Chagask Outreach and Innovation Programme. The series is brought to you by Chagask in collaboration with Dairy Sustainability Ireland, the National Rural Network and Food Drink Ireland Skillnet. And today we'll be talking about hedgerows. And hedgerows, as you may know, cover about 4% of the Irish landscape or almost 690,000 square kilometres. They provide an important wildlife habitat for flora and fauna throughout the country and are now being investigated for their potential role in carbon storage. And I'm delighted to welcome the Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Pippa Hackett, who has responsibility for land use and biodiversity. Good morning, Minister. Good morning, Mark. Thank you very, very well. Much. Very welcome to the Signpost uh, webinar today. Uh, great. And, and we're also joined by uh, recently appointed director of Chagask, uh, Professor Frank O'Mara. Good morning, Frank. Um, and Pat Murphy joins us also from Wexford. Pat is going to help us with questions later on. Uh, so before we get uh, started with our webinar, today is an important day because we're officially launching Hedgerow Week 2021. And Minister, we're delighted to have you here to, to do the official honours for us today. Perhaps you'd like to, to share a few thoughts on, on, on hedgerows and, and the importance of uh, they have, the important role they have in, in Irish agriculture and indeed uh, the, the biodiversity of the country. I I'm delighted to actually. Thanks, Mark. And it, and it is great to be here um, to, to launch um, Chagas's Hedgerow Week. Um, and I think, you know, last year we saw, you know, a week full of wonderful information, I think, promoting the value of our hedges in the Irish landscape. And look, it really is thanks to events like this that progress has been made in, in raising the profile of hedgerows. Um, I suppose we are quite fortunate in Ireland to have maintained much of our hedgerow network um, with the ecosystem services that they provide, you know, in terms of carbon storage, wildlife shelter and food supplies. I suppose it is worth pointing out, though, that we have lost significant lengths of hedgerows over the past decades. And really, this is something we, we need to reverse, you know, in this all important decade of change for climate, biodiversity and so forth. So, I mean, it's apt, really, that this is, you know, this event is happening at this very pivotal time time really. Um, look, the trees, I suppose, and shrubs that make up a well-managed hedgerow are a huge source of, of food for pollinators, for birds, for small animals, and some big ones if they can have access to it. Um, and also it's, it's hedgerows act as a sort of nature corridors for, for wildlife to move around. They're also home for, for many species of wildlife, and that's important to think about that as a habitat rather than just a field boundary. Um, you know, for those bigger animals, again, hedges can provide shelter and shade, you know, depending on the type of weather we're facing. And I suppose at this time in the, of the year, um, it is lovely to see the red berries of, of hawthorn, holly, um, rose hips even, and even the black sloes and berries of ivy. Again, only if it's only possible, of course, if the hedge has been maintained in an appropriate manner and, and allowed to fruit, uh, uh, bloom and fruit during the year. So I think that's why, again, this 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 webinar, this week, hedgerow week is really so important to, to highlight that and the, the benefits of managing your hedge in a very productive way. Um, I suppose from my department's perspective, the importance of hedgerows as a farmland habitat has been recognised um, through agri-environmental schemes since about 1994 with the first REP scheme. Uh, since then, we've worked to improve and advance hedgerows measures and actions through REPs, through AEOS and, and now through the GLOSS. And we are, you know, working to develop that further into the next um, round of the AECM. Um, these schemes over the years thus far have facilitated the plant of about 11,000 kilometres of new hedgerows and rejuvenated some 6,000 kilometres of other hedges. I mean, so it's quite a significant amount. Um, but again, uh, we, we do need to keep this keep this work up and, and, and develop it further. So yes, the next round of the cap and the new AECM will be more ambitious again in terms of action for hedgerows. Um, and we are working and currently developing developing that you know through our, our ecologists here in the department and in consult in consultation with external uh, experts to ensure that this progress con uh, continues um, 
again, I suppose we are also lucky to be part of the, um, you know, the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan has been in place here in Ireland since 2015. And the first plan did have guidelines for farmers and, and landowners on how to, uh, you know, manage their hedges for pollinators, which was really, really useful. And as part of the new um, All-Action, um, All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, um, that, that will run from 2021 to 2025, uh, my department has funded a farmland pollinator officer who will work again to engage with farmers through my department and to, to continue to strengthen that message around the importance of hedgerows and, and pollinator friendly management practices. So look, this week's going to be all about um, understanding hedges better. And, and I think it is that better understanding among landowners, among farmers, among contractors um, that will build on the progress we have seen to date um, and certainly deepening our understanding through research um, on projects such as farm carbon uh, will, uh, will continue this awareness um, and, and the value of our hedgerow network. So it's great to see that the practical elements of the programme ahead this week. Um, um, and I suppose it is worth at this point, uh, whether it's hedgerows or trees, you know, just to give a bit of a reminder that people need to be, think safely when they are dealing with, with hedges, trees and, and managing those. And, you know, to remember to wear your, your PPE and obviously only carry out the, the work if you're trained and, and certainly able to, to do it. So, look, I'll finish off on that. And just to say, look, I really hope that you enjoy the week. You've, we have the, the expert that is Catherine Keena today and, and I'm sure next week as well to deliver uh, all the knowledge that that is out there and you know at the end of the day it is about um if we truly understand hedges better we will have a better appreciation for 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 the value of our hedgerows so listen thank you very much thanks to to, to frank and uh, and and chagas for the invitation and i'll pass back to mark and, and enjoy the week i'll try and tune in tune in as much as i can and if not i'll watch the recording so thank you very much thank you very much minister and uh, thank you for those uh, those kind words and indeed they under, under underlining the, the importance of hedgerows um, and, and the, the true connection that we have with hedgerows uh, in, in Ireland and the, the heritage that's attached to them. I'd now like to, to invite uh, Professor Frank O'Mara to, to say some words. Thanks again, um, Minister. Uh, Frank O'Mara, uh, this is your, your first uh, uh, appearance on the Signpost webinar, so you're very, very welcome. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mark, and thank you very much for the invitation to join you here this morning. And yes, indeed, it is my, my first um, appearance on the Signpost uh, series. And look, I'm delighted that it's associated with, with, with an, a really important topic like Hedgerow Week. And I'd like to very much thank the Minister for, for her um, uh, comments here this morning and for, for attending this event um, to launch National Hedgerow Week. So look, uh, hedges, I think we, we, all, we all are so familiar with hedges here in Ireland. They're just are a really intrinsic part of the Irish landscape and I suppose you know so, so familiarity uh, is, is certainly something that, that that we don't need with hedgerows in Ireland. In terms of their importance I think you know there's a number of areas where where I would see obviously um, as a source of biodiversity in themselves and as a, a shelter for wildlife they're really important. They have an important role to play in in climate change. Um, for, for many, many years, farmers use hedges as, as a, a form of fencing and still do. And obviously they provide shelter for livestock. And I suppose, you know, they, they really contribute immensely to the appearance of the Irish countryside. And, you know, you, you'll always see that when you're flying home to Ireland and, and you're flying in, whether it's into Dublin or Shannon or Cork or Knock, um, you know, the, the unique landscape that we have here in Ireland that, that is, 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 is really, uh, defined by the hedgerows and field margins that we have. So they're really important. And I think because of those, um, uh, th those features that they have, it's really important that we mind our hedgerows and improve what's there. And also that we do plant more uh, hedgerows and add to that stock of hedgerows that, that we, we have. And indeed, Mark, you mentioned yourself at the start that we, ha we, we have upwards of 690 uh, thousand kilometers of hedgerows in Ireland and, and that is a, is a huge figure and I suppose what we need to try to do now over the coming years is add to that figure and uh, on our own farms in Chagas we are practicing what we're preaching here we we have planned um, to, to plant up to uh, 25 additional kilometers of hedgerows on our own farms and that's well underway and I know the minister was down in Moorpark recently and um, uh, she saw there that we have planted three kilometers of hedges in Moorpark in the last two years and, and and that's happening right around all our other research and college farms 
and I suppose that that's that that's an, uh, look. It's it's a small contribution, but if, if everybody was con contribute, contributing in that way, we wouldn't be long increasing that six hundred ninety thousand kilometer figure. That that figure actually came from research that Chagas did back in in two thousand and eleven or two thousand and twelve, and um, I think the the more the, the, that was our first national map of of hedgerows. We've been working on hedgerows for quite some time actually, and and more recent work. Um, has has shown that you know we have seen a decline in the area in, in the length of hedgerows in the country um, for for the period uh, between 1995 and 2015 uh, hedges were actually declining by about point somewhere between 0.16 and 0.3 percent a year. But there was evidence that that was slowing down as we came to the end of that period, and hopefully that that decline has actually reversed and that we are actually going back into uh, growing the length of our, our hedgerows. I think the, the the other work that we're involved in that is going to be discussed next week is is the farm carbon project that the minister mentioned and in that project we're we're trying to look at the I guess the the quality in particular in relation to its carbon content of our hedgerows both the above ground and below ground biomass and look um that that's an EPA funded project and I think it's a very important project in relation to to hedgerows um uh, I, I guess other work that we have been involved with in, in, in relation to hedges is our collaboration with Devonish. And, um, you know, Devonish have, have put a lot of effort into uh, restoring and enhancing the hedgerows on their farm at Doubt. And uh, we collaborated with them in terms of doing the LIDAR assessment of, of those hedges uh, for them in Doubt, because that's an area where we have, have some expertise. So, so hedges are, you know, they, they are an important part of our, our program in relation to biodiversity and, and carbon and will continue to be. And um, I suppose today uh, what we're doing is, is launching Hedgerow Week, which is where we, we try to uh, collaborate with many, many organizations um, involved or that have some uh, either an interest in hedgerows or, or are involved um, in, in the business of managing and, and planting hedges and, and try to encourage, I suppose, farmers uh, around the, the proper management and, and the, the um, the enhancement of, of hedgerows and um, so for that uh, we're really thankful to our country management specialist Catherine Keena who's you know known known the length and breadth of, of the country for her expertise in this area and Catherine really drives on this national hedgerow week and look we have a very I think uh, good lineup of events uh, next week and um, obviously all virtual uh, but that maybe makes them a little bit easier for, for people to access in one way. And I certainly hope to tune into some of those next week because I think uh, they're going to be very interesting. And, and I hope uh, I, I hope that, the, you know, that, that many farmers get to, to hear the messages that we have in relation to how hedgerows can contribute on their farm in a very, very positive way to enhancing both the appearance and utility of, of their farms. So with that, Mark, I, I leave it and uh, wish you well for this morning's seminar and wish everybody involved in Hedgerow Week, both Chagas uh, participants and participants from other organizations, uh, a, a good week next week. And hopefully uh, you'll all consider that the, the effort will have been worthwhile uh, by the time we get to the end of the week and we see the fruits of that in the following weeks and months ahead. So thank you very much. Thank you, Frank. Um, and I'm gonna go straight across to Catherine Keena, who's gonna tell us all about what's gonna be happening next week in Hedgerow Week. Uh, Catherine, good morning to you. Good morning, Mark and, and all. And again, I really appreciate um, both the Minister and our Director for support this, their support in this week and my colleagues. The most exciting part about this week is the collaboration. This is probably the only time I will be speaking because we have all the experts from all angles and I'll just run through them very briefly. Um, and these will be in the form kind of of panel discussions and small video clips of expertise. Um, so on, on Monday, on Monday the the sixth, we have uh, we are talking about the state of Ireland's hedgerows, and a lot of people are very worried and interested about that. Um, we have Lillian O'Sullivan, Chagas, uh, Johnstown Castle researcher, Julie Larkin, a former PhD student now working with RPS. We have um, Monaghan County Council uh, represented with Shirley Clerken, uh, and two our uh, hedgerow organisations. Mark McDowell from the Hedgelaying Association of Ireland and Alan Moore from Hedgerows Ireland. So that will be a very interesting discussion. Um, so that's a live discussion, Catherine. That's a live discussion on Monday, 9.30 to 10.30. Uh, well, details are on the, the Changus website. 
uh, at the moment there for, for anybody who wants to register. I'll, I'll, I'll let you keep going there because I know yeah. we've quite a, a lot of, to cover this morning. Tuesday then we're coming on to biodiversity, um, a topic I'm, we're, we're so familiar with. Um, but again, we need all to understand how birds, bats, bees, butterflies use the hedges. So we have a presentation from Jesmond Harding from Butterfly Conservation Ireland. Um, the minister mentioned the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, the, the pollinator officer, and we have Ruth Wilson with us. And we have um, the well-known uh, author, broadcaster and journalist, Amy Launa, who's an all-rounder on all, all the aspects of hedges. On Wednesday, then, um, we are coming back to the, the really important topic of hedge cutting with Francis Quigley, our, the Chagas machinery specialist. And um, we have farmer Tony Mullins, who cuts his own hedges. Liam Hurley, he a dairy farmer, but also cuts uh, other, uh, he's a hedge cutting contractor. Another uh, hedge country, large hedge cutting contractor, Porig O'Brien from Care in Tipperary. And then we have the farming organisations with an interest in hedges, Anya O'Connell from IFA, uh, Dennis Drennan, the dairy farmer, ICMSA. And we are delighted to have Susan Callaghan from NPWS, Divisional Ecologist, all with a huge interest in how to manage and how do we move on uh, the better, better practice. And finally, on Thursday, um, another angle which some people are uh, find very fascinating is the foraging for food and the um, food from hedges. So uh, there, it, we have uh, Regina Sexton, who's a food and culinary historian from UCC, uh, Rosemary Cusack, a local cookery demonstrator, and Mary White from Blackstairs Eco Trails, um, who, who forages for, for food and brings people with her. So very, very different. Uh, some people will be interested in one and some people may be interested in, in all the talks. So that's the brief um, introduction, Mark. Okay, great. Thanks, Catherine. And uh, look, huge interest uh, this morning, this morning's webinar. We have nearly 450 people joining us from across the, the, the country and indeed outside of the country as well. So uh, obviously this is a hot topic, Catherine. Uh, just to, to remind everybody, if, if you're new to the Signpost webinar, today's session is being recorded and will be available on the Chagas YouTube channel in the coming days and also available as a podcast if you'd like to uh, access it through your uh, your, your podcast um, platform um, and the presentations will be available on the website as well. So please do uh, send us your questions and answers or questions through the, the Q&A tab at the bottom of the screen. And uh, Catherine, I'm going to hand over to you for the main presentation now. So uh, over to you. And we are a little bit tight on time. So Catherine, we'll appreciate if you can uh, condense down the, the presentation, if, if at all possible. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so the focus today is simply on planting hedges. And I will delay a little on this slide because to me, this is the most important slide um, of the presentation in understanding hedges. And when we, I am talking about planting, but it also has implications for, for, for uh, management later on. So the, the hedge on the top is our newly planted hedge. Um, two-year-old bare-rooted whips is what's recommended, um, six per metre. Now, I, normally in a double staggered row, but for the purposes of my, my little uh, drawings, I, I'd put them in a row there. So there is a huge difference then in whether, how you manage it from day one. In fact, before day one, before you pick the species, before you select what species you pick. And we need to understand how a white thorn, which is the predominant um, hedging species, but similar for all the other species and trees. It, on, on the left, if we cut it back day one and keep cutting it back, the one stem multiplies every time we cut it. This has been understood way back on the literature that John Feehan talks about, um, where long ago people understood the value of white thorn because it responded to trimming. And it, it, it just, every time it's cut, buds come beneath the cut and it, it multiplies. So if we want a hedge which is managed, because a hedge, don't forget, the top hedge is, is, not, is not a natural habitat. It is a managed habitat. So to maintain it as we, I suppose maybe we, we, we think of as a hedge, we must cut it from, from, from day one, cut, 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 as, as an inch at a time, like inch it up to get it thick and growing well. 
Um, and then obviously to leave, at, then eventually to get to at least one and a half metres as high as the, the hedge cutter will cut. But it is important to cut the growing point every year to keep it as a hedge, except for the occasional uh, flowering thorn tree uh, that's left and from day one, a tree guard is cut on one of those um, every whatever number of metres, depending on the scheme or depending on your preference. And that new hedge then can be easily got into a triangular shape, A-shape, triangular shape, sloping from a wide base to, um, to, a, to the growing point. But the growing point must be nipped, and that is the perfect hedge from a, from a hedging point of view. Um, it is, can be difficult when we talk about getting that shape into existing hedges, which I'll come on to in a moment. Now, that's number one with the green star. That's absolutely perfect equally perfect and be clear about this because I suppose I talk a lot about the management of that of that edge because in general farmers think tend to want that edge but they're equally I love the escaped edge on the right hand side so this is where the white thorn is left to do what it wants to do and it grows into a single stem with a mature canopy now I've exaggerated the diagrams obviously um but that is is fabulous and that that's equally and I think on every farm we should have some top hedges and some escaped hedges uh, because both have very different values and both can contribute so the escaped hedge untapped hedge or tree line and as I said if you look out as you drive away from wherever you are today you will clearly see that's topped that's an escaped hedge you know our old mature hedges can be either uh, whether they're 200 years old 2000 years old are planted today. Now we come down then to the problems, the problem line, the bad practice. The bad practice is where that top hedge is short back in sides, under one and a half meters, no flowering tree, flat topped, um, down to an inch of its life. You know, maybe on top of a bank and it maybe only a foot high. That is not, and that bad practice has got a bad name for our, we'll say, hedgerow management for our normal top hedge. Um, equally bad, and this is this is my biggest concern about new hedges. What happens is they're often let grow up to a point where oh we must cut the hedge, and then they are topped, or worse still, those old mature escaped hedges full of of, of beautiful old trees, two hundred years old, are topped at you know one and a half, four or five foot high. And then what happens is it pulls whatever little bit of growth at the bottom, it pulls it up into the ups, uh, to the point where you cut and you have the upside down toilet brush hedge. And then if that's flailed year after year, you're really it, it, it's it's on its way. That's the way to get rid of the hedge. Um, just a small point there. It's probably not the worst thing, but I think, again, it's important to understand there's a move at the moment to get hedges the height up. It, it is not the best practice to just let it grow up in one year, um, my my picture on the bottom right shows that you know it, it, the better way would be to cut inch it up. Okay, so um, I think that's really important. So before day day one, before um, you plant, decide which hedge you want. Equal, either are valid. But what happens is the wrong management happens uh, because people mix up the two hedges. Um, okay. And again, um, it, it, just to understand how the trees and shrubs grow, this apical dominance is that the, the, the white thorn uh, and all other hedging species and trees want to grow up to be in a single tree. So you can see there in the example, um, unless we cut it off, it, it will. that's what it wants to do. And that is fine, provided we manage for that. That is absolutely fine. As I said, I would like both. And again, it's the same when it comes to, to cutting hedges. But the, the really bad thing, as I said, on, on the, and this comes from way back out of the, the reps book from the very beginning, this was understood, but we failed to get the message over. I think that, that was the problem. Um, that, so you can see there clearly the picture on the right, where the, where the hedge cutter cuts, that's where it sprouts from. And again, on the in my, the little diagram there, if you keep coming back to the same point every year, you are just killing the hedge because the other way it's okay, little enough and is good, provided you cut above last year's cut because then you have five new shoots all developing. But if you're coming back to the same point every year, you are um, re weakening and devastating the hedge. And there's the classic um, 
upside down toilet brush hedge. But that, to be honest, there are an awful lot of hedges in the country are like this. That's, that's probably a very light one. But from now on, and I would not look at a hedge for until this month, you cannot see the structure. Everything looks good in the summer. Everything looks good. So December, January, February is the only time you can look at a hedge, see the structure. And as what has happened is those old mature hedges, which are 200 years old, if they're cut at the meter, meter and a half high, um, you see this big stump of a tree and this little fringe on top. And it can look good during the summer, but they're the ones that need to be brought back to ground level if you're doing anything with them, but not to keep cutting at the same point. Okay. Um, so then for planting then again the point there the picture on the left and um, it's planted lovely 18 inches high plant and you go back and cut it an inch from the ground day one and year two then there's that second cut or that may even be the third cut there um, where you keep cutting back and multiplying 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 and then you will end up with the hedge on the right hand side there which is you know dense, dense to the base um, so we're talking about planting today. Number one, decide, do you want a topped hedge with a dense space and containing your occasional thorn trees or the escaped untopped tree line linear woodland, whichever word works best to explain what we're talking about there. Um, and then that depends then on what species you pick. So the, these species um, suit, these species, the native um, trees and shrubs, thrive with cutting but can also be left as a tree um, so again they're extremely useful in a hedge so we're talking the three thorn species the white thorn black thorn holly and to be honest you need we need them for structure in the hedge um, the spindle gelder rose are beautiful um, but on their own they would not be structurally good um, and the hazel and the, just to put in there the the book thorn is um, not all grown not uh, found all over the country kind of limestone and it is the only plant that the brimstone butterfly uses so it's it's just an interesting hedging species that's of critical importance. Um, so th these are the species that can go in either hedge, either the topped hedge or the escaped hedge. And then we have the climbers, which um, we probably don't count uh, as for in planting. Again, um, I would be very wary about putting anything into the hedge that is that would be ornamental. That is not good. And it is a danger, especially with the, the rose. You can have the rosa, the rosa rugosa rather than the rosa canina. And again, it is dreadful out on a farm. And um, so there are generally species that aren't available, but it's just worth putting them in there to remind them. Hopefully they will come in time into um, hedges. And then we have the trees. And I just put them into two groups there. We have the large trees and the, and the mid-sized trees. But the very large trees, the ash, the oak, obviously we're not planting ash at the moment because of the ash dieback. Uh, the oak, I've put the heights there, rough, rough heights of all the trees, um, but they're some of the very large ones. Um, and they obviously you would only put them where they can where they can suit, but they're they're in our all our old hedges. So again, um, they can be, they could be, if providing we're not topping them, they could be, you know, they're beautiful, beautiful, and could be included, or they could be put in a corner of the field as a as a as a grove of trees. Um, and then you have the kind of the mid-sized uh, trees, the alder, the birch, the cherry, the rowan uh, or mountain ash, crabapple, white beam. Um, the elder probably we don't normally sow it, but it's a beautiful one for biodiversity in the hedge, not good for the structure of the hedge. So you always have this balance and the beautiful strawberry tree, which is is, is locally um, only uh, not occurs only locally. So, again, these ones are fine in the escaped hedge, um, but only in the in the only occasional in the, the, the top hedge. And to be honest, because my our experience in the past when people got the message to leave a tree in the hedge what what in general they tended to put too many trees and then cut them down or even where they did put these kind of trees which are beautiful they they omitted to leave the white thorn they didn't see the white thorn as a tree which is the most valuable tree in a hedge it fits into the hedge so just be very careful um, if we're putting trees into the hedge, know what we're doing and only after we've allowed a white thorn in each hedge. 
native provenance, uh, it, it means seed, plants grown from seed, grown in Ireland from Irish trees, best for biodiversity support, rural development. I should say no more about that because the signpost webinar next Friday, we have um, two people who will explain better than I can the value of native provenance trees and hedging stock and how to reduce, reduce health risks to them. So we have Joe Gowan from CEO of the Woodlands of Ireland and Maria Cullen, Chair of the Society of Irish Plant Pathologists. And um, I shall leave the, that topic to them um, other than to say that, you know, there is a body of people trying to progress this and support it. And it's, it's, it's not an easy job. Um, so coming back to the planting then, um, the practical side of now again, the, the um, yeah, so line, line out if you're putting it in the middle of a tree with, with a, a wire or, or sorry, yeah, a wire or, or lime or whatever, or twine. Um, it is always useful to use the, the digger to loosen the soil, but it all really makes it easier to plant, um, to turn over the soil first. There's no no need to spray once we're once we're managing it properly afterwards. Um, again, planting them there six per meter, keeping the plants in the bag. Don't let them dry out. If you're going to have them for a long time, keep them um, keep them in the uh, keep them in the ground. If you're going to have plants for a few weeks. Um, again, number one there on the left, put on identify your white thorn trees and other trees if they're in the hedge. Um, on day one, put a tree guard on them because it's amazing how, how the hedge grows so quickly. It can be hard to find them the second year. I've, people often find that. Um, so put on the tree guard, have a couple of tree guards, decide how many trees you're going to have in your 100 metres. Um, there may be a requirement in a scheme or you may just choose. And again, it's, it's, it's fair to say that trees can be are, are not good for the structural structure of a hedge especially big trees and this is why I kind of favor the small and the white thorn being the one that will fit in there very well but it's always a compromise life is a compromise and biodiversity certainly is when we're trying to fit in all these species in the hedge um and so we have some a question coming in there around the spacing that you'd re recommend there. It's a six six per meter, per meter roughly meter. about a, a foot apart, is it? Roughly? Yes, a, a six per meter in a double staggered row would be a foot apart and a foot between the rows. Okay. And what yeah. what um, do you have any advice in terms of the the, the plastic as to when yeah. that can be removed? Wait um, till my next slide, Mark. Uh, okay. <laughs> jumping ahead this was last year um uh, down in galway and we used the the silage plastic cut off the four foot strip and rolled it out pushed it down over the you can see the planting there on on the bottom and pushed in the sides okay now a very new exciting development has happened um oh, sorry i just finished here on this one the purpose of the the plastic and the the pruning, uh, it, well, we've explained the pruning already, but there it is in evidence. Uh, instead of one, now we have five or six and multiplies up each year. And then we, uh, I'll just finish off on the fencing as well. It, hopefully, uh, if, if you don't have rabbits is the biggest worry, actually. I would tend to plant um, if I, if as long as it happens as late as possible so that there's less time for the hedge sitting in the ground. So if it's planted in February, um, it is only kind of six weeks to get away before the rabbits. And as long as you can keep the hedge ahead of the rabbits, but if, if necessary, I'd hope it wouldn't be necessary in most cases, but to put down the um, temporary or yeah, electric wire can help. Okay. And, and then obviously fencing from livestock. So now coming on to my um, exciting new development, and I will credit my colleague, Andy Boland, who kept saying to me, you have to do something about this. Um, the, the silage plastic. So we, we have investigated with Maze Tech the use of um, compostable film. So here looks the very same, pictures are much the same. Um, we rolls were made up specially to um, for, for us to try it out. We tried it out on the left is Johnstown Castle and on the right is a farm. So just two comments that, and I talked to Riak Fox there yesterday. Um, very extreme, that was just when it was planted there, but he was very, very, very excited about it, um, how good the hedge has done. Now, it, the interesting point there is, is in Johnstown Castle, they had not used plastic before. Um, maybe they hadn't wanted to do the 
the, the cutting back. Um, but equally, there are people, and I'm not sure if that was the case there, who didn't want to use the plastic. So now that the compostable film is there, it's opened a whole new area of people who, who may have not wanted to use the plastic. On the right hand side um, is a farm where plastic has been used in many years. So the comparison is very useful in the sense that it is it is acting after one year exactly the same as the, the it's exactly as effective as the plastic, as the silage plastic. So it's kind of we tried 40 micron and 30 micron. So I think um, so that's and yes, now is the time to mention that we are um, going to for all the farmers planting over the next uh, this winter. Uh, we want to get pictures in and we shall we shall give details of that later uh, where to send in a photo. It's a competition now we won't be judging the quality, but of the farmers who send in a photo of hedges planted this year um, into a into a website, it, it, it will be easy to do we've done it before with competitions and we will pick out one lucky winner who will receive a roll of the, the compostable film. Um, so that's that could be very interesting it's, it's just to kind of encourage. The, the people thinking this new way. So I don't know if that answers your question, Mark. But composite. Yeah, no, that's the, which is a question that came in through the. the Excellent. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. just, uh, we have two minutes left, Catherine. Okay. Yeah. So again, that was the site there. So working perfectly. And again, you can see how it's cut back there. Just um, a couple of points on REAP to be very clear um, that anybody, this, uh, yeah, REAP was a pilot program. So it, it wasn't trying to do everything um, in this year and, and next year. There was a, a payment for the for um, the field score, but what I'm honing in on here is there was a capital payment number two for planting trees and hedges. Okay, so just to update you on where that is, there are there's about three thousand eight hundred or something like that farmers in REAP, and you may may I kind of look first. I saw only five hundred and twenty four planting hedges, but there is a reason for that because the farmers there was only 10 hectares it was a pilot and the 10 hectares tended to be the small extensive species rich fields which didn't need hedges so in a larger scheme i know from my own research that farmers will go for hedges a lot more if you know what i mean there's always a place on the farm but it's usually maybe around the farmyard or in the big fields so these farmers are planting this winter so i just want to be very clear that they know what they are allowed to to plant that was there was a lot of play. they they had to plant that was the reason why the numbers aren't so high there they were restricted where we could put them just in this pilot so the reap requirements are there prepare the ground um, between November and March, plant the double staggered row. Again, we're back to six plants per meter, but just one. And um, one important thing there, it says no one species should make up than seven of the total plants, but that's advisory. That's not, that's should rather than must. Okay, so six species from the approved species list. Um, native provenance where possible that has been changed because again we have this problem of trying to get uh, enough native provenance but there is lots of white thorn i understand so and that the the fact that the the, the species you're not restricted to seven um of the total plants there uh, there is an opportunity to plant predominantly white thorn with uh, a, a a small number of the other species which may or may not be native provenance this year and hopefully that will improve in the future so look that's the details there but just to be clear that for reap farmers must follow the reap rules okay and they are the species from the reap but they're similar to the ones i showed for the hedges and again i talked about now it doesn't where possible source trees of native provenance and again so this is what we're aiming for this is my final slide um, all these new hedges and existing hedges are good for biodiversity, food, water, shelter, etc., as has been said before. So, Garamagi. Thank you, Catherine. And uh, that leaves us some time to get through the question because we have a huge amount of questions coming in, a lot of interest, particularly on the compostable film, Catherine, um, around the costs there. And I suppose one, one uh, person is asking how necessary is uh, the film in the first place? Um, very good point. Yeah. Well, I suppose I've been at this a long time and I saw an awful lot of hedges planted over the years, which five or six years later, you're looking, you say, oh, yeah, there might be one there under the grass. Mm -hmm. In my experience, it does not work unless you um, you do not. You either get a good hedge or you you mulch. There is nobody in 
it's probably wrong to say nobody, but very few will weed by hand sufficiently because don't forget it's 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 keeping the space when you go think of back on those pictures, it's holding the nutrients instead of going to your 10, 10, 20 tons of grass, it's it's keeping the water, it's physically you can see the, the horn uh, branches trail along the ground. Um, but the plant the, the compostable film and the pruning go together. If you're going for the escaped hedge, it's a different, um, that's different, okay? So that's my point. We need to be very clear. Are we trying to get that dense space or are we happy with our, and either is fine, but follow accordingly. Now, it's just a question I have uh, about some of the, these films. Uh, some of them I know are biodegradable, they'll break down, but they're not, they're, they're still, made from a plastic are, are these uh, these films are they are they actually uh, some sort of a cellulose or type of a, yeah yeah a i understand compostable film and it's, it's yeah. similar to, yeah yeah no i understand Very good. Very good. yeah it's a, it's following on from the maize plastic mark that has changed to compostable film great great well um pat pat is probably going to join us now for some questions but maybe just tell us a little bit more about the competition catherine um yeah, so farmers who plant this winter, um, we're just interested in seeing what's going on out there. We know the reap farmers, we know there are farmers in the NPWS farm plan scheme, but equally, I think we all know, and in particularly on the dairy farms, that lots of people are talking about planting hedges for, for with outside schemes. So we just want to capture what's going on and uh, just send us in a photo and the length of the hedge. We'll have the, we'll have the details on it. And as I said, okay. we'll pick a, a lucky person then to get their role of so you can find out more details on the on the Chags website. Just before yeah. I hand over to Pat, I know there's a question uh, there in relation to contractors and training of contractors and uh, what what what's happening there. What what sort of engagement uh, does Chags have with contractors uh, around hedge cutting? Well, we're going to engage very much on Wednesday, Mark. Um, we have worked with them in the past. Um, my own research shows that maybe eighty percent of farmers use con hedge cutting contractors. Uh, but most of the farmers leave it to the contractor. And I know the contractors do what they think the farmers want and they all do what they think the neighbours want. So I think it's not, it's very, it's not rocket science. Anything I'm talking about there is so simple. And I think that's the problem. People think, oh, there's nothing to it. And if there is, so it's, it's, it's the communication mark, I think even more so than the training from, for everybody, um, from the people who say, Oh God, that farmer's hedges are really neat and tidy. And then rather than saying, you know, do you know what I'm getting at? It's the communication um, and very important from outside farming uh, as well as within, you know, to, to know what's the right thing to do. Okay, Pat, not so fair. Yeah, there's a lot of questions coming through there. There is huge, huge, huge amount, and as you say, a huge amount in relation to the plastic. Uh, to get away from that, there's there's a, a question: what's the evidence that uh, planting and managing heads, uh, hedgerows? Uh, delivers uh, benefits for, for biodiversity. And uh, I suppose, what's the rationale in, in introducing uh, uh, shrubs that maybe don't exist in, in uh, locally in hedgerows uh, in a particular area? Okay, I suppose the evidence for, for any biodiversity is if the habitat is right, the, the, um, they will come. You know, that is that is accepted to be we manage the habitats rather than uh, managing the, the species, if you know what I mean, and mm -hmm. the species will come. So we know what is in um, in hedges. So we repeat that that will. So it's just yeah, it, if the habitat is right, the the associated species will be there. It will take time. A new hedge is not the same as a 200 year old hedge. Um, from mosses and lichens and all that, but we have to start somewhere. Uh, I would clearly say the old older ones are better. And your second question was, um, sorry, the uh, uh, the, the uh, role of introducing oh, the yes. species. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I would totally understand if somebody wants to stick with with what's growing well. I talked, I heard somebody yesterday talking about an alder hedge. Um, it's growing well. It's a wet place. I, that's why I personally wouldn't be as much into the number of species. But I think certainly then I wouldn't be going outside Ireland. So in, in other words, the native species is uh, really important. And if you want to bring down that to local, I would be supportive of that, too. Yeah. Uh, a, a very specific question from Michael Hennessy. Uh, for new hedges, uh, how damaging are cleavers and, and the base and growing up with that, the hedge? Uh, and sometimes they seem to be totally covering hedges. 
Yeah, again, anything that if the hedge is doing well, if you get the hedge away that in three years you cannot get into it with the, the pruning and, and compostable film technique, no, no plant like you could say the same about bramble, you could say the same about other weeds, they will kill a, a, a struggling hedge. But if you can get the hedge right, no weed is a problem. And they're, they're obviously adding to the adding to it as well, if you know what I mean. Okay, uh, just a question then about a, a, a rotational approach to, to uh, cutting hedges and what's, what's best practice. Okay, well, again, um, the, we must always talk about the two types of hedges. So our, our, um, our, uh, the escaped hedge where we're side trimming only and never topping, um, that certainly can be done on a rotational basis. And um, same, similarly with the, the, uh, the topped hedge, Personally, I'm more inclined to go a little and often. Um, I've seen terrible damage done in the past, leaving them for five years um, and then mutilating them. Uh, even, you know, personally, I like little and often. And if everything else is right, uh, that works. You know, having some escaped hedges on the farm and having the individual thorn trees in your topped hedges that you will have, it'll be balanced. There's a question here as regards uh, county councils outsourcing cutting of hedges uh, and uh, uh, I suppose it, uh, uh, alluding to the fact that some of the hedges are cut down very heavily uh, and I suppose there's there's an issue there as, as regards the safety and management in relation to that but also I suppose is there a question as to whether there should be a different strategy for, for managing hedges that um, are by the roadsides versus those are, that are back in the fields? And I suppose personally, I, I would hate to, and I've said this before, uh, I would hate to live in a country where we have 10 foot high uh, hedges on every, uh, uh, on every uh, roadside where you can't see the countryside. I think there's a compromise path. Look, number one, safety is first. The minister even mentioned it there. Safety is first. But I think there's a lot of hedges cut that don't need to be cut. Or, you know, we and again, we don't want everything left the same. We want for a variety is good from, from a biodiversity point of view. I still think there's, there's quite lots of opportunities as I go along and see hedges, you know, where far, not, certainly not a safety issue. And I wonder that there couldn't be the single white thorn tree left. I'm not talking about oak trees. I wouldn't plant any big trees in it. And similarly for the height, you know, variety is good. Um, I, we need to think, because, and certainly county councils and anybody cutting hedges, you know, should never cut them without thinking. That's the point. You know, can they do it better from a biodiversity point of view, landscape point of view? Catherine, we have a, a question in relation to the um, permission that farmers have to remove hedgerows and replant elsewhere. What's your view on that? Um, I would say if we went back to never having removed a hedge, we wouldn't have the industry we have today. I go back to, to where I worked in, in, in County Cavan um, as an advisor doing the area long, long ago and the half acre fields on the map. So there is a happy balance, isn't there? And, you know, there's a happy medium. Um, but I would stress the, the a, a new hedge is not equal to an old hedge. You know, the same length for length, which is what farmers have to do. You know, it, it, we really should try not to remove them. Um, but I wouldn't like that to be an absolute no-no. And as, as, since 2009, if a farmer removes a hedge, it has to be replaced. And I would say overnight that has been far more effective than any legislation. You know, you know, if we, not that nobody's suggesting we'd bring in a, a ban on, on, on doing it, but it really makes people think. And before, don't forget, they were paid and we were advising them to, to clear the hedges um, before and they were paid to do it. So, and that would have been the thinking and immediately that came in under cross compliance. It makes it, I think it's very effective and it does leave, there are cases where maybe it is, it is the right thing to do, to take them out. And average field size, I would come back to there as my metric for whether, you know, whether it is way offline or, you know, a genuine case. And in relation to the, the hedge cutting and uh, ban uh, from between the 1st of March and the 31st of August, there's a question here in relation to the, the fruit, uh, the effect that might have on the fruit uh, available to, to uh, birds uh, and wildlife during the, the winter period. Uh, is there 
Is there a contradiction there or? Uh... Yeah, in the ideal world, again, like planting the hedge, I do it in, in the last day of February. But with 80% with of hedges or maybe more in part of the country uh, being cut by contractors, that is not realistic. So I think, you know, and also if you are managing the topped hedges that I spoke about and side trimming the other ones, um, leaving them for, there won't be a lot of fruit on the part where you're cutting if you know what I mean. Um, again, what's, what's really killed us is where it's done badly, you know. Yeah. Um, and so to answer your question, if I had a hedge cutter, and I, I would cut them in February, yes. But it's, if, if everything is done right on the farm, it's not the most important issue. And of course, it's, it's, it's not possible to get every hedge cutter to just Correct. confine the, the cutting season to, to February. Uh, an interesting comment here about... Uh, the, the hedgerows in your background there, Pat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love my usual tea. background. It's, it's disappeared. So I have a nice, neat one on, on, on one side and, a, and a, a, a more escaped one than coming right. up. The one middle. of our very observant viewers. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a, a comment in there about our, our poor bramble. Is it, is it a, an outlawed species or, or is it something that we should be appreciating a lot more? Oh, sure. It's super from a biodiversity point of view and the food people, you know, the, I, we all pick blackberries from a from a childhood memory point of view, um, you know, but again, I keep coming back to the point people have said the hedge is covered in, 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 and you can see them are all over the place. A hedge that has been whacked and overmanaged is very likely to be covered in bramble. The hedges I showed there, the very, you know, lovely 15 foot tall um, or any of the you know, managed right bramble is not a problem. So we're coming back to the point of get the man, get the basics right. Some bramble is fabulous. You know, um, I know it jumps out into the field maybe by 20 feet a year. But again, if everything is is uh, managed right, it's not a problem. There's a question there as to, to the, the management and the possibility of, uh, of hedging on top of, of um, earthen banks. And what's your recommendation there? I would just be very careful. The earthen bank, don't forget, is something that has been there maybe 200, maybe 2000 years is full of possibly carbon, but from my point of view, is full of mosses and lichens and, and is likely to be the, the one spot on the farm that has never been sprayed or fertilized, you know, up on top of the bank. So it can contain the most rarest and most valuable biodiversity on the farm. So, you know, I know long ago it would have been said, you turn the, you know, you get the digger in and turn the bank upside down and that would be the easiest way to grow the hedge. Um, I would be, some banks could be worth keeping in their own right. But if you want to plant a hedge on the bank, I'd probably to get the hedge to grow, I'd possibly put it at the base of one of the sides of the bank. So, again, it depends on personal choice, but I would just stress the value of uh, banks from a biodiversity point of view with or without a hedge. There's a specific question in relation to tillage farmers uh, liking to see things neat and tidy and cutting down hedges. Uh, how do we get the message out there better? to, and I suppose not just tillage farmers, it's all farmers, to, to try and get that uh, uh, better management of hedgerows. I suppose that's all about, that's our job, isn't it? And that, that's what this week is about, to try and see where they can. And, you know, maybe maybe margins are an, an option there on tillage farms too. Do you know what I mean? We need to, it doesn't have to be all about hedges, but uh, it certainly does have to be about biodiversity space for nature somewhere on the farm. Number of questions, Catherine, coming through in relation to the county councils and Irish Rail and their role in hedgerow management. And I know a lot of it uh, from from their perspective is safety management. Uh, but it, what level of engagement is there with those bodies? Um, I'm not. Wouldn't there wouldn't be our remit? I suppose. Mark, yeah. I work with people who work with them um, in in hedgerows Ireland and that. Um, so look at. I think. The, the fact that biodiversity has come on our radar in the last year or two mainstream compared to the last 20, 30 years that I've been working at it, I mean, is affecting everybody, the farmer and hopefully Irish Rail and everybody. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I can only be hopeful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, look, I think uh, the, the fact that we have nearly 500 people joining us this morning is a testament to 
the, the importance uh, that uh, hedgerows uh, play and uh, the, their role in, in protecting biodiversity. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think there's more comments coming back in. I, I think my, my uh, background is, is generating mixed views. Michael Hennessy, our tillage specialist, likes it, but uh, others, I think, <laughs> don't think it represents a, a good example of the Irish countryside. So, can please some of the people some of the time. Uh, just in relation to the a question there in relation to on grazing margins around hedges and how important are those to add to the overall biodiversity uh, component of field margins? Hugely. I nearly like field margins as much as I like hedges. So and they could be you know, standalone margins in the tillage field there behind you either, you know. Um, so we definitely need a place for our grasses to grow or, you know, uh, it, it, on the intensive dairy farm or on the tillage farm, the one habitat that's missing is the old grassland, the clumps of coxfoot, you know, and, and timothy, and that's where you have the spiders overwintering, et cetera, et cetera. So we need those strips of grassy margins. Now, they do need to be cut and maintained as grass, because otherwise you're talking about an extended hedge. So whatever width your hedge is, we really do need um, uh, grassy margins as well. Um, for, for you know, but that's a separate habitat and needs to be managed to keep it as a grassy habitat. So that's that's another day's talk. Question, uh, Catherine, in relation to uh, Hawthorne Hedge, uh, where gorse has grown up through the hedge. Um, is 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 there value in the the gorse or there is, is just... there is there's value in it, uh, but it is aggressive. It takes over. I mean, I would rather not have it. I would rather not have it taking over. Um, but it's a job to get it out. So again, I think um, it's sometimes it's there because it's been burning in the past. Not always now, but um, it's yeah, it's not it's not a favorite in the it's, in the hedge. Yeah, it's not easy easy to manage and no. picking it oh. out. So. And the more you cut it, the more it grows. So it's yeah, a difficult yeah. one. Uh, there's a question there in relation to the the legal protection for hedgerows, uh, and uh, I think it was insinuating that there isn't, but there is legal protection. For um, well, I suppose the we talked about the cross compliance and you having to replace, and then there's the EIA, the Environmental Impact um, Assessment for Agriculture, where if you are removing more than 500 meters or creating a new field more than five hectares, which is more likely actually, that you must look for permission from the Department of Agriculture. So that's the law. Yeah, that is the law. But if if you count that protection, um, I suppose if it's less than that. Uh, there isn't legal protection, would be fair to say. Uh, and a question there in relation to uh, tackling uh, uh, knotweed and, and other, uh, other really things important. that invade your, 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 your hedgerow. Really important, yeah. And I suppose our message to farmers is try and see if any of this strange, you know, not Japanese knotweed or anything funny just find out make sure you know what it is and my message is don't touch it until we you know at least it's not easy and it needs to be done very carefully or we spread it so yeah we need to be on the lookout advisors and farmers and other people to to spot it number one and then we can talk about treatment which is another story and a difficult story it can be done but the more far more important thing is not to spread it Okay, um, we're just coming up on time now. Catherine, maybe just uh, remind us uh, next week uh, the, 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 the days that our events will be taking place. Okay, so Monday is the state of our hedges, which is what we've been discussing here. Tuesday is the biodiversity in hedges. Wednesday is the hedge cutting. And Thursday is the food from hedges. And then that leads on to our own signpost webinar. On, we'll, we'll culminate the hedgerow week with the signpost webinar on Friday. Great, great. And, uh, um, and Maria Cullen, yeah. There's a very obvious link there on the, the Chagask uh, uh, landing page. Uh, so you can just click straight into that and that gives you all the details. And But you do need to register uh, for those. For each event, to Mark, to, yeah. To, yeah. To click into them. And the details of the competition, uh, I think they'll be up later today on the yeah. website. Will there be? Yeah. Okay. And we'll have, we'll have it next Friday as well, yeah. Yeah. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. 
Well, Catherine, thank you so much. We had a lot of questions coming from both of us there today. So you, you uh, I think uh, people really appreciated uh, the practical advice that you're, you're able to, to give. And I, if, if people want to find out more, I, I look, there's lots of publications available on the Chagas website, but I, I imagine you encourage people to talk to their advisor as well if they have uh, further questions on their own particular situations. Um, so look, I, I just want to say thanks, Catherine, uh, for, for today's presentation. And Pat, thanks for helping with uh, the questions today. And also thanks to our, our Minister, Pippa Hackett, and uh, Director of Chagask, uh, Frank O'Mara, for joining us earlier on. Uh, so it, and, and so we're, we're now officially in Hedgerow Week, so uh, we encourage you all to, to try and find out a little bit more about Hedgerows uh, during the week. Uh, so with that, I just want to say thanks to Yvonne Maher for helping in the background today and our series producer, Andy Boland. And a reminder that all of the uh, previous webinars are available on the Chagas YouTube channel, as well as the uh, podcast channel as well. And today's presentation will be available on the, the Chagas website. Uh, so thanks again to everybody, uh, the huge crowd that we had today, uh, huge interest in this particular topic. So no doubt you'll get lots of interest next week, uh, Catherine, during the week. So thanks again, everyone. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost Series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagask.ie. And you can also rate, review, and subscribe to the Signpost Series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson, and thanks for listening.